and welcome to Grown Up. I'm Laura Blair. And I'm Abby Blaze, And we're here navigating 21st century adulthood with our extraordinarily ordinary guests. This week we're going to be chatting with a man called Henry Johnston and we're covering the cheerful topic of mental health. And the reason that we have Henry on for this topic is because he's really struggled with his mental health. At the age of 14, he was sectioned as a threat to his own life and placed in a secure hospital. He was initially diagnosed with schizophrenia, but this was then downgraded to acute bipolar illness. He was sectioned twice more and led what he describes as a fiercely troubled life. Henry became both an alcoholic and a drug user, finding little or no help from the medical or social services and with the support of his family, he resolved to cure himself. Henry is now aged 38 and has been clean for 13 years. He has a degree and is a qualified and accredited coach, mentor and speaker who will shortly marry his fiancée. So Henry, we've already told our listeners a little bit about you, but we do have a few questions about your struggles as a teenager. Mm. Firstly, could you tell us a little bit about how you were behaving when you were diagnosed with mental health issues? How I was behaving, uh, a bit mad would be quite a good answer. Now people come at me and go, whoa, that's a massive label, you can't say that, but you know, I think you've got to maintain a level of comedy around yeah. it, like gallows humor. Um, mm-hmm. So I had, I was 11 and I was a really sweet little boy. I was picking flowers for neighbors and hugging dogs and whatever. And then I had my first derealization de- episode and it's like being a stranger in your own head don't recognize thoughts, don't recognize anyone you're speaking to, you kind of think that you should, but you don't, so it's really scary. At that time, I was terrified. I was a little 11 year old boy who had only known sweetness and naivety and happiness, and suddenly. Was that, yeah, suddenly, I was, yeah, say, was that was a sudden thing? Like, literally, like, just like, bam, there, and I didn't know what to think. I was just like, Jesus, Jesus Christ, and I was just crying, and I was like, Mum, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And she, she didn't know what to do. So your mood just drops, didn't it? Well, it's it's a complete personality shift. So imagine you're talking to me, and then you, you say a word, and suddenly you don't recognise your voice. You don't recognise, you kind of know I'm Henry, but you don't know that I'm Henry, because you don't know who you are, and it's like a panic, severe panic and deep derealization or depersonalization is really common a lot of people don't know that it's happening to them but when yeah, I, I don't was really 11, know what that is what is that it is it's a break from reality and a break from your personality so it's like you just check out and you lose all emotional connection and it's interesting because we're emotionally connecting right now like thinking like 82 percent of our communication is emotional so at that time i just lost that connection and it was purely intellectual, and I just couldn't. It was, it is, it is quite hard to explain, but if you've got two parts of your personality and your awareness, it's like taking the vast majority of that one out and trying to understand the world that you're in without an emotional connection to my mum. She wasn't my mum. Without an emotional connection to my thoughts, they weren't my thoughts. So how did you feel towards your mum at that point? Like what? Nothing. There was a memory that she possibly should have meant something to me, but she didn't. So it was like you lost empathy? Yeah, like complete, completely lost it. And do you still struggle with this now? Yeah, it still happens, but I've become incredibly used to dealing with it. You know, it happens, I know what to do. That's I told you that I just got a dog. Dogs are an immediate emotional connection for me, so I'm never without a dog in my life. Yeah, that's good. So what? how do people react to what you were doing? Like, what were you, phys- what were you doing, and how do people respond to that behaviour? Right, generally? so... Screaming, curling up into a ball, 
screaming, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And rocking backwards and forwards. So if you imagine the most stereotypical mentally ill person in an asylum, that's what I was doing. And it, it happened when I was in boarding school once and I was surrounded by like 200 of my peers. Oh my goodness. You can only imagine what 200 teenage, no, like 13 year old boys would do in a very insular community such as boarding school. It's complete ostracizing, you know? Yeah. Teachers as well, just abandon, push away. All I wanted was for someone to come along and go, you're going to be all right, Henry. But no one did. So I was only had myself to rely on. And I wasn't very good because I was very young. So. so what happened to you? Did, they, did you get help? No, I was expelled from the school because I had early manifestations of bipolar disorder, which was uh, I started stealing a lot. I started acting very oddly, doing strange things. I can do, do you want an example of a yeah. strange yeah. thing? <laughs> so... <laughs> I used to I used to go at the school library and just wee in the same chair for like a year. So say that again. Yeah. You had a wee. Yeah, just used to go to this one chair and just wee <gasps> in the chair. What? Why? Yeah. No. No idea. You still don't know. I still don't know to this point, but it was like this fixation. It's just like odd things, just odd things. I uh, I used to break into. I'm sorry, matron, that you hear this now. I used to break into her house and steal her cigarettes and her alcohol, and uh, I stole her bra. Like, there was this, like, sexual edge to it. Like, the, I know the people listening, you know, so creepy. But it wasn't. It was, like, just this kind of real impulsiveness. Like, yeah. I had this problem. And whilst it like, might be creepy, you were a, quite a young boy. Yeah. It wasn't, and which is kind of creepy, because children are quite creepy, aren't they? Yeah. When you oh think about gosh. it. But yeah. it's not like an adult man stealing someone's Yeah, it, it wasn't. It stuff. was, like, curiosity combined with impulsiveness. And low, something that's really common in mental illness is low risk of danger, you know? Like, just impulsive, not thinking of the consequences, just doing it because... Yeah. Just like, I guess it's kind of like that thing where, like, you think... So, like, sometimes I have a thought and think, imagine if I just did this now. Mm. You don't do it, but you would do it. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Like, like so, that. like, sometimes... You were saying about the peeing thing. Sometimes I lie in bed and I'll be like, oh, I really need to pee. And my boyfriend will go... Oh, I'll just pee in the bed then. But <laughs> just pee in the bed, Abby. And I'm like, all right, I will then. And obviously I don't. But it's like not having that sort of, that thing that stops you from yeah. doing it. Yeah. Like yes. it's like your brain just gone wrong. Yeah, it's correct? just a, I wouldn't say gone wrong, just the connections aren't there. So it's it's like if you've got, I mean, people can't see this, but you've got four connections in a row of a normal, uh, normal inverted commas decision-making process. Mm. My, my brain starts there and then it bounces to the left and to the right and ends up at what I think is a perfectly normal thing to do. But it's not. It's, it's the wrong thing to do. But I understand it as the perfect thing to do, which happens quite a lot even now. I'll end up at a, at a solution. My girlfriend will be like, what compelled you to end up there? Why didn't you just do these things that normal people do? But now she celebrates it because it's one of the worst. <laughs> Unless you pee in a and, chair. Yeah. <laughs> or her bed. Do you know how many people roughly have this kind of thing that you have? You know, I read a stat a while ago, um, and it's something like every 500 people, 10 people have it or something. Like It's really common, but people just aren't aware that they have it. It happens at varying degrees. Like yeah. mine was quite extreme. Yeah. 
So that was sort of life-changing for me. But other people will just be talking and then they'll just check out. And be I like, can imagine it's kind of like when you're on a night out and you like got that buzz and then it gets to a certain point, you're like, oh, I'm ready for bed. Like yeah. you just, <laughs> yeah. It's like when you your alcohol run, like runs dry and you're like, right, I'm switched off now. I'm done with the I'm party. Out. Yeah. I'm out. Like, yeah. That's what yeah. I keep thinking about when yeah, you say it. <laughs> It's been a long time since I've been that pissed there. (laughs) (laughs) We will talk about that, actually. We need to talk about this alcohol and drug stuff. But what was um, rock bottom for Ah, you? mm, That's a good one. And how long did it take you to get to rock bottom from your first episode? Going back into my brain, it's just always money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dyslexia kicks in with all the maths. Let's say 10 years from being... Yeah, about 10 years. So I was about... Actually, no. Uh, so I was, I'm 38 now, and it was when I was 28. So 10 years ago. So it probably took me about 15 years or something to reach that point, and that was a. And what was rock bottom for you? It was very unpleasant. It was, I'd just broken up with my girlfriend at the time, and I'd moved into a little annex next to my parents' house, and she'd gone. And of course, I had zero self-confidence and zero self-esteem, and much of my identity was embedded in her. It's like when you fuse with a partner. Yeah. And you become, anyway, so that happened. Uh, I was drinking really heavily at the time, taking lots of drugs, loads of mental illness, just just blossoming. I wasn't on any medication. So I was hallucinating. I thought the trees were talking to me. I thought there was a giant metal ball that sounded like a pig that would just roll past my window at night. Uh, I'd be seeing things <laughs> happen. So Isn't it? Like, what sound <laughs> would that make? Exactly. <laughs> but that's the sound it was. I, 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 could make, I could do an impression, but... Please do. <laughs> <laughs> clank, clank, clank. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very so yeah so all so I was like checked out and I was hearing things that weren't there I was seeing things that weren't there all my um, self care dropped out the window hadn't washed hadn't showered hadn't changed my clothes I was just I was I remember I was just lay on this bed I was just putting cigarettes out everywhere I could and I used to go out and uh, oh and massive self harm problems as well if you want to know any stories about that I can certainly share some I find when people talk about being depressed and stuff like that it's always like you seem so normal and happy and jolly and like that's the that's what I've found when most of the people that have told me they're depressed mm. so I would have had no idea that that's going on in the inside it's almost like it, it sh- the happiness is a shield maybe I don't know like uh, it's maybe like, so many people are having these problems and no one's talking about it mm. Well, I think depression is chemical. So right now, my my uh, dopamine levels, my serotonin, which is the happiness chemical, they're, they're quite balanced. Mm-hmm. But they will fall at some point, and that's when the depression comes in. So I don't have the cognitive ability to feel happy. In fact, I feel very absent from myself. So it's it's not a front. Like I feel the way I'm feeling now. Yeah. I'm being very authentic with you. But there will be a time where that will fall down. And I'll be Do you have any idea why? that happens or anything that triggers that for you no no uh my depression is is chemical it's not triggered by anything in particular is there things that you've learned to do that would help it yes having a support network is so important like and anyone who's listening if they're feeling depressed just have like a, a friend or yeah. a group of people like i set up a group on facebook primarily for men who are suffering from mental and what's illness it called? 
It's called Men Helping Men. <laughs> Very good. It's like a good name. name. <laughs> it's easy to remember. And it's and it's my it's my support group. And there's lots of support groups out there for for men. You know, because I speak specifically to men. But yeah, e- even for a woman, it's having like a group of people that you can call so that they know that you're having a bad time. I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they were like, I can't we've got the statistic here, but they were like, so many more men commit suicide than women. And I really wanted to look into why this was. And I think one of the main things is that women (coughs) talk a Mm. lot. We have a problem, we talk it out, constantly chatting. We talk about everything and anything. We go deep, we don't care. And also there's no stigma around being Emotional. emotional yeah mm. like we cry we we don't feel ashamed like i will tell abby a horrific story and like i have no shame we just share things whereas yeah. men are a closed book men they are don't really talk. really interesting like what i found with talking groups of women is you know i'll i'll pose a something that needs a solution the women like speech will be like right how do we approach this together you know just offer ideas and you know the ideas will be there and we'll kind of work our way there really uh, naturally and they won't ever say right what you need to do is this men are fixers that's what they do and it's really interesting that we talk about suicide and men but I'll, I'll get on to that yeah um, so you pose something like in my men's group you know, I pose a question like I'm feeling quite anxious today what you need to do Henry is this 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 fix Whereas it a woman like why are you feeling anxious exactly it's so much like my therapist <laughs> is let's a, talk about this what's wrong with you yeah no no but I love that like that's actually more in line with the way I approach things like I try not I mean it comes with being a coach as well but I try not to be so directed because I'm coming at it if, if I was trying to fix someone I'd be coming at it from my frame of reference mm. which isn't theirs which is going to isolate them yeah which is where the kind of there isn't necessarily a thread of emotional connection when men speak which they're missing out on and everyone needs that yeah because I I think the looking at the statistics women talking is what men need to do more of yeah. but also if we bring that back to even everybody men and women we should just talk in general because the key is that talking to other people is the key thing isn't it it's connection you know and men also releasing emotions mm. yeah we have this thing called we take an emotional shit don't we yeah me and abby are not afraid to cry yeah it's like it builds up it's like oh sometimes so when my mum died i always talk about this sorry everyone probably boring now um (laughs) when my mum died i went through a period where i was like i feel what I would describe as emotionally constipated. Mm. Like I don't feel good, Mm. but it was like I was unable to release the emotion. But then as the grief progressed, I reached the point where I was just emotionally shitting all over the place. (laughs) Like it was like, and that does do something to your body. Like it's, you can just cry for hours and hours and hours and eventually you will relax a little bit. Like it's good to let it out. It almost feels worse when it's held in. Yeah. For no. me, anyway. I have, like, a thing that I do when I get upset. You talk about it, you cry about it, and then you go to the gym. Nice. <laughs> nice. And then I'm fine afterwards. No, that's a really, some really good way of heavy, it. like, hip-hop rock music in. Done. Do you know what? Something that gets me is I do... I've just started doing Krav Maga, which... I've like, heard of this. What is this? It's just, like, the most violent martial arts ever <laughs> I, I took up boxing it's really therapeutic it's so therapeutic mm. like kind of get angry get really and like men are naturally aggressive and aggression gets a really bad rap but it's so healthy yeah mm. like it's it's active using your hands expression of maybe a bit of anger and a bit of aggression and you just get in there and like i love 
getting the shit kicked out of me. It's fucking great. <laughs> going up, I went up against this guy before and he was just massive. And I was like, you are hench. Come at me. And I was rubbish. And he was like taunting me. And I was like, yeah, come on. And I just got battered. And it was great. And I was like, you can do that to me anytime you want. Would you find saying like from someone in your like your perspective, dealing with mental health issues, having your thing that you know, like you've just said your martial arts or whatever, is key to yeah. getting you out of a bad place? Yeah, like there, is, there are a few things that work with mental health difficulties. Distraction is one. Doing something that's for yourself that gets you outside is another. For me, it's martial arts. I'm also a metalwork artist, so I go to my workshop and make art. It may well be going out for a run. It's something that, like, when you're isolated, it just breeds resentment and loneliness, and no one deserves to be. That's where I was at my rock bottom. And I am I right in saying when people feel like that, they usually reach for a bottle of wine? Yeah, it's easier. Mm, it's a lot easier to numb than feel. Ends up in a worse place because it's alcohol is a depressant, isn't it? Yeah, alcohol so just you're feeding pushes it right down. And the interesting thing about anger and depression is the more you push it down, it just comes back tenfold. You know, yeah. if you're feeling angry and you push it down, you can almost guarantee maybe a week later you will feel more depressed than you ever have before. Yeah. So it's a what? natural emotion. So when people come to you. For coaching, mm. what's like the most common thing that comes up? If you could think of that one thing that sort of self-esteem. A it's lot of people. Do you think it's this generation as well that it's more prevalent? Prevalent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just cut that. <laughs> so you think <laughs> it's more prevalent? It's fine. Just work with it. Yeah. Do you think it is because of like social media and stuff that people are suffering more and more self-esteem? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think self-esteem issues with men has always been there, but we've just been less aware of it. And I think with kids, especially, never before has such a small slice of a teenage life been under so much scrutiny. And there's a lot of pressure to present your... And it sounds like such a, like a an old record, but there's so much pressure to present yourself as fitting into societal norms. Like, as a boy, not only that, you ha there are horrendous role models for young men. You know, think of hyper-masculinity, which is big, hench, butch, I'm a man, don't feel punch See, what's rocks. funny, I've not met one woman that is like, I love a big, huge, muscly man. Like, it's like emotionally disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, women love a dad bod. I'm just going to put it out Do there. They? Yeah. Like, nice. I'm okay then. I, I, I don't know. Like, says the woman who's dating a guy with a fucking sick body. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not an issue. Like, I don't, I don't look at like men's bodies and think I, I need like a. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm genuinely not fussed about physique. But yeah, it's interesting because a lot healthy, of guys. If they're healthy, like uh, if they're like healthy looking, then that's my cup of tea. And I think most women would probably agree. Well, that's so is that they look after themselves as a matter of self care. You know, they're confident enough to believe that they have a standard for themselves. Yeah. Mm. But. I know a lot of men, though, particularly that I know, are always like, "Oh, I need to be bigger, stronger," and I'm like, "But women don't." That's not what women like, I don't Well, think. it's interesting because men aren't sent a balanced message about what women want purely because everything that they see on media and adverts is is programming them that their value is based on how manly they are. Yeah, same for women though. It that's flipped like really? we're, Yeah, cuz think of like think of the women in magazines naked. No woman looks like that, really. Like think of the page 3 girls that we've had all our lives. Like 
I for sure don't. Pastry's so weird, isn't it? I don't. Is it still around? Yeah, I I don't know. It's weird though. Like, like if you think about it, sometimes I'll like be in like I see the is it what is it in the sun? And like you'll see the sun and you'll open it. It's just some like think of it from a woman's perspective. It's in a newspaper and we flick it over and and there's there's a hot woman with a perfect tit. Yeah. Do you think it's like objectifying you? A hundred percent. Because that's like like, when you were doing your podcast on you know women from Venus. Mm. You're talking about guys liking a woman on Instagram. Oh, it's my pet hate. It's my pet hate. (laughs) That is pure objectification. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. I was talking to someone else the other day and they were like, but men have done it for years. They've bought magazines. It's just what men do. And I'm like... There's no excuse. Yeah, but I don't (laughs) want to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, men are... So I, I, I <laughs> like men are animals. I think what you're men. saying is completely true, but I think also that it's like, I think it happens for both sexes. Yeah. There. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that happens. And yeah, I just don't think men are sent a balanced view on that. They're consistently told that their value is based on how manly. And also are. how much money you earn and how well, successful you are. Cause I yeah. think there's a great pressure on men to be a provider. Massively, these are like traditional roles that men are brought up with: the provider, the fighter, the protector, the stoic one who doesn't talk and is just really resilient and just takes. Yeah, he can battering. take any old shit from all different yeah. directions, and he feels nothing. Exactly. So, so strong. Oh, yeah. So yeah, all that can be under the umbrella of strong. So if yeah. you if you think that you're weak and suffering from mental health issues, it's probably not helping. Yeah. Yeah. Situation. When, when I met my boyfriend, he said to me that he thought crying was weakness. And I'm probably like a super crier. And I think I'm super strong as well. Yeah. And like he's his whole perception has changed. And he now sees, I feel like I've educated him, sounds mm. really cocky, in that actually it's it's something that you sometimes just need to do. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's so, it's like what you were saying before, like the, the physiological effects is, you know, like I love crying, I, I cry. I cried at Love Island for God's sake. You know yeah, I, mean? <laughs> like, I found it so sentimental. I was like, Oh my God, it's just so nice. I can cry anything. And uh, and I find that I get really tired afterwards, and I can just have a really good night's sleep. Like I, yeah. I sobbed to Joe, who's my girlfriend, like a couple of weeks ago. Like I found something really upsetting, and I just sobbed. You know, and she held me, and that was really nice. And I just fell asleep afterwards. It's just really nice to feel. Held. Like and I've yeah. never thought anything less of a guy if he cries. Yeah. I'm actually like, oh my Stop god, you're real. <laughs> you're a <laughs> you human. Like I wouldn't think anything. I wouldn't think any less of a guy if he cried. It's see now, I think men kind of understand that, but it's with other men. Yeah. It's the perception of you. Know, you, you wrote in your little note. You wrote in your notes about toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like my understanding of that is that if you are outside of a group's perceived idea of what a man is and they bully you for that that's toxic masculinity but how manly say if you cried in front of a group of guys and they start taking the mick or whatever and you just don't care yeah that is that is true power because you're like that's man that's manly so from a woman's perspective looking onto that i wouldn't think those guys i think i would think the rest of the guys are really immature but the guy that's crying says i don't care that i'm crying that's the message that men need to hear you know that actually the guys who berate you for is is vulnerability right Mm. you're showing your vulnerability feel feel better about themselves yeah and they would they'd be like my vulnerability isn't a weakness in fact someone a woman is recognizing that as a strength yeah Mm. that would send a very clear message i've dated a lot of insecure men that go to the gym and have that thing and they're very insecure 
And actually I've opted for the complete opposite and gone for just a guy that is very secure. Yeah. And it's really manly. Like a difference. I mean, I've never dated a man, but I know from <laughs> <laughs> just I, just being you and not ashamed of it is the sexiest thing from a woman's perspective, I think. It's congruence, yeah. isn't it? It's so safety as well. The stats are that men's suicide rates men's suicide accounts for two thirds of all suicides worldwide. Mm-hmm. And I also read that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. Mm. So what do you think we can be doing? If there's one thing that society can be doing to change that, what would that be? So, I mean, ideally you'd want to go to the advertisers and go, stop playing silly bollocks with young men's minds, all right? Stop sending them horrific messages, all the bloody Gillette adverts which promoted men as being complete dickheads. Hate that advert anyway. What is that advert? Oh, it was just men will be men and boys will be boys. I'm gonna stand up. It was like. Do you remember me- the Yorkie advert? Oh like, my god, that made what me so advert? mad. Not Yorkie for girls. For girls. <laughs> oh, I, I can eat, eat a Yorkie three Yorkies. Yorkies. <laughs> I can eat Yorkies for years. I'm not surprised they're not very nice. So I enjoy yeah. Yorkie. Do you? Oh, oh yeah. So sorry. It's okay. I didn't invent but that. that it's not it's <laughs> the advertisement industry today is. It's all. It's not just about men. It's with food. It's with like it's brainwashes people like if it it makes money then it will get churned out it's like men being men and being really butchy they're being a viking warrior and they don't cry and they're really stoic and you know men being dicks as well is massively marketable a lot of guys in my group when i ask them like what's your biggest misconception about women and they're like well that they like guys they're going to treat them like shit like you listening to yourself who who goes I want to be treated like shit today, please. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. But they think that they're being marginalised based on what's an untruth. And it's yeah. not. These are beautiful, lovely guys who are happy to cry and just, do you know what? They just want to be a good man, but they don't see themselves. Or they see being a good man as less than being a hyper-masculine dickhead. Mm. Hyper-masculine dickhead. Mm. There's that thing of nice guys finish last. My boyfriend said it to me the other week. He was like, nice guys finish last, Abby. And I was like... He was sort of joking. I was like, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, they finished last. He's like, you're a really nice guy and you're with me, babes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, exactly. It's it's true though. Like, I think when you talk about nice guys, sometimes there's a guy with uh, lack of self-esteem so that he's overly nice or he's a people pleaser. That's something that he can take responsibility for. There's a difference between being a nice guy and being a doormat. Yeah, exactly. And they get exploited, they get resentful. MGTOW comes along, they think, these guys are taking the fight to women. There's apathy there. I can get behind that. But what they're doing is they're just not looking at themselves and taking responsibility, which is the confidence and the togetherness of a good man. And then there's nice, like, I think I'm a nice man. You know, I'm really thoughtful. I'm really sweet. I consider myself fairly manly. You know, I'm, <laughs> Do I'm doing okay. A good <laughs> idea for men is to have a girlfriend that they can talk to. Like, yeah. they're not going to judge. Mate. Do you know what? Like, someone to call them out on their bullshit. You know, like, <laughs> what are you actually thinking? Like, sensitivity. I was told by a counsellor that sensitivity was the greatest thing ever. Uh, I soon found out that it wasn't. But because I was overly emotional, and, you know, the women that I was speaking to you know, weren't mature, like I wasn't mature. So I received a bad message that being sensitive wasn't a good thing. As I've grown up and I've met adult women and I've been an adult who's sensitive. Adult women, I've never heard that phrase. I've always heard adult men. (laughs) Well, as in women women who aren't teenagers. Yeah, I like that though. As in women can be just as immature. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like, and sensitivity is like, 
it's such a gift because it's thoughtfulness and sweetness and all of these can be combined with you know like me i'm really thoughtful i'm really sweet but i like to hit other men and i'm a metal work artist which people go it's so manly but it's just like either one is not exclusive of the other like men can be whoever they want to be and define themselves however they want to be it doesn't matter yeah that's the message that i send yeah going back to your story Mm. what was your turning point like how did you get from pissing (laughs) shitting in the street (laughs) to the man you are now well, you'll He's be pleased to know out, that... Uh, There's I, a I, toilet just outside if you thank need you. it. Thank <laughs> you. I was going to say, can I do mine? The corner doesn't look like the right thing to do. Uh, you just find me in the stairwell. Uh, so I, I don't do any of that. I do use toilets. I do like to wee outside, though. There is something incredibly liberating. I've weed in a bush before. Did, did you come around weed in a bush? Sure, it was very liberating. It's good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The fresh air and all the bits. Up a mountain. <laughs> weed in a bush. Yeah, good, good. I... <laughs> Did you use a leaf to dry as well? No, I used, sh- used to stream. Oh, that you? is next to like Bear Grylls yeah. level survival skills. I'll never forget it. Bear Grylls. <laughs> and then I, I always remember, I never forget because I walked around the corner and found a toilet. I'd been walking for miles. I was really? Like, oh, dear God. <laughs> I respect that, though. So, how anyway. did you get from A to Z? So, I was in, I got sectioned and put in, that's when you're a danger to someone else or yourself. Were you suicidal at any point? Don't really know. I had suicide ideation, which means that you think about suicide a lot. You said you harmed yourself, so Mm. was that with the intent to... Just really... I had a lot of self-hatred, and I wanted to kind of... Like, self-hatred being an emotion is kind of intangible, so I wanted to do something which showed the hatred that I had for myself that was there. So a lot of people think it's... um, attention when people do stuff like that don't they They do there's a huge do you know what there's more of a stigma around self-harm than there is around well i think schizophrenia and self-harm are pretty up there for people it's interesting that you said it was to hurt yourself because you hated it Mm -hmm. whereas most people would think it's a cry for help a lot of people do a lot of people do but i think people with self-harm like myself uh we're primed for people to I'm, i'm not saying that you're a bad person for having that idea but we're primed to see people as seeing it as an emotional cry of help which is not like it's it's a lot more nuanced it's quite an intimate thing to do it's very ritualized it serves a purpose you know it can be quite cathartic i found it certainly quite cathartic it's a lot more complex than people think it is yeah. what did you do on your arms and stuff all over i used to i'm so crazy i couldn't even do it if i wanted to do you want to hear a story yeah Okay, so I. I hate don't want to hear. I feel like I'm gonna. That's okay. <laughs> if you're screamish, switch off for yeah, a couple so of minutes. Yeah, so I hated myself so much, and like I hated my body and the way I looked so much, and I didn't like that women looked at me and would judge me. I didn't like that men would look at me and judge me. I hated when couples walked past my window, and I had to go get some booze, and I just couldn't go outside. So I thought, right, I, I need something to to give me something to get out of the house. So I took some paper. I gave myself paper cuts between all my toes and then ah. filled my trainers with salt and lemon juice. And that gave me the level of like, so I could walk outside and go get some boots. Oh my God. That was a level of it. So is a lot of it, say if you took away that thing where you don't care what people think of you, mm. would that take a lot of your issues out the window, like get rid of them? No, I'd still be, I'd still be suffering with the same, you know, chemical imbalance, the same feelings the same symptoms but it would make just going outside a little bit easier yeah because it's that fear of judgment you know have you got 
used to that? Like, have you got over that as you've got yeah. older? I think it is as you yeah. get older, you stop caring, don't you? Yeah, and you do. Like, I had to do a lot of therapy around it. You know, seeing people as not as accusers of me that all came from childhood of being bullied as a kid. And I felt like I was really unsuccessful with women. So I just thought they all thought I was ugly. My last girlfriend abused me. Then another one just told me I was fat relentlessly. So there's a lot of self image. Like we sound like we've had similar relationships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not great, is it? Yeah. It's, uh, so all of these just became my identity, you know. And I, I thought everyone saw what they saw in me, which isn't true. But now, like, I had a big breakthrough. Uh, I went to the beach and I took my shirt off last year, which is big for me. Oh, wow. Like, I don't have an amazing body. Do you know what? My boyfriend hates going on the beach for that same reason. I hate, like, it's still, it's not my preferred thing, but I just thought, do you know what? This is my body. I've been through this with my body and it's still here and I'm not dead. So fuck me. I'm going to take my shirt off. You yeah. take that shirt yeah. off. And the crazy thing is that. <laughs> Imagine if you start getting naked now. Think of how much emphasis you put on yourself mm. no one is looking at you or caring about anybody else because everyone is so concerned about themselves yeah. that they don't they don't they see just it. don't see it yeah. and as well say if you had not a great body if you took that top off with confidence suddenly everyone wants to be like you mm. people want to be people that are co- like you can sell anything if you're confident basically well, you're charismatic and you're a leader so like imagine if you could follow just you were that were that Fat belly like pride. <laughs> I, I, was, I just ran into the sea and I was jiggling around. I was like, yes. I won't do this again in a hurry, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Just, I, it's hard to tell people that though, isn't it? It's hard to drum that theory you, into you your almost, head. You almost can't, you know. They've, they've got to do it themselves. Yeah. To reach that point. So you were sectioned. Mm. And then what happened after that? I went into a detox unit, which is an acute psychiatric unit where people who are experiencing really bad mental health difficulties go uh i got put on drugs because if you stop drinking immediately you can have a heart attack so they put you on like diazepam and stuff just to slow you down so you don't have a heart attack and then i spent two months there just getting off booze and people ask me like what changed and i i I thought about like what what did change and i think it really was like it can't get any worse than this like i literally hit my rock bottom i can't go any more into my own darkness i can't go any more into my own self-hatred or my self uh, depreciation or self-destruction so i'm just gonna see and this is a really interesting thing is that people with mental illness are really resilient like i consider myself super resilient so i was at this turning point i was like do you know what no matter what the world throws at me i think i can do it and it, it doesn't kill you makes you stronger exactly and i thought do you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna fucking give it it sounds kind of painful and challenging but i've been living a life that was painful and challenging but in the opposite end of the spectrum so i just did just turned it around got myself into rehab got myself clean and then spent the last 10 years just working on myself and healing myself and building up my self-image and my self-identity what was the rehab center called it's called kairos community trust it was residential it's in camberwell if anyone's struggling i fully recommend you go find it i spent six months there and it's, you get a therapist, and it's interesting, the therapist that I saw there, I still see today. She's still, so I've been seeing her for about 11 years. A lot of people I know see therapists, yeah. speech therapists. Yeah, they're great. And it's not even people with issues, it's just people that want to talk. I think yeah. the stigma against having therapy needs to be, I think it is kind of losing it, but it definitely needs to lose more of the stigma. 
yeah, people, I think in like really close, if you think of like corporate environments where mental health dialogue isn't that progressive, it can be quite stigmatized to go, I've got to go to a therapy appointment. People yeah. Like, oh my God, what's that? But actually, therapy's great. There's a couple of huge YouTubers that have therapists and they talk about it openly and there's nothing wrong with them and they're just like, we just see them because it really helps to align things in the brain. Yeah, absolutely. And as we go back to the beginning when we said the key is talking, if you've got no one to talk to, why not just pay someone, especially if you don't want to be judged or anything. I think therapy is so important oh. for people that are even ha- struggling with anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's a place to, to go. Happy <laughs> <laughs> is my therapist. Oh. I'm like, I book him for a therapy session, don't I? Abby, <laughs> I need some therapy, you free? <laughs> we actually do. That's awesome though. That's a very close, connected friendship. So if y- anyone going through like mental issues or feeling bad about their self-esteem and stuff, men or women, what would you suggest would be the best thing for them to do if they're listening now? First thing to do, get someone in your life that you can speak to. Secondly to go to a doctor, get diagnosed for what you have because there's so much information out there. I know a lot of people that I've been to a doctor with issues and they kind of just... Oh, like a psychiatrist would be best. Where would you find a psychiatrist? You can go through the NHS. There are some that are means-based. How would you go through the NHS? You go to your doctor and say... And ask? Yeah, I want to get a psychiatry appointment to get diagnosed. Or you can find you can find them online, just private psychotherapists. You know, they do cost a little bit. It'll get about £150. Yeah. Or, but then you'll have a diagnosis. You can go to a doctor. And if you want to have medication, like, I'm on meds. Do you know, like... Are you webs- always on meds? Yeah. Do yeah. they change the amount? Like Yeah. Like, you've got to find the right fit. But generally, like, if you go in there with anxiety and depression, they can put you on straight off the bat something that's going to sort you out and it'll be short term. Yeah. It's really effective. Meds get a hugely bad label. I'm like, fuck off. They work. (laughs) They work for a lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of people suffering from mental health issues is the first thing they don't know where to go. And things that seem so simple, like, oh, just find a psychiatrist on the website. I think that's quite hard because there's so much information out there. So do you have any recommendations that okay. we could link to or? yes i do there is a website if you're in london there's a website called fresh start and they are psychotherapists who are to just finish training so that they're, they're qualified they have a psychiatrist linked with this program so they can go receive psychotherapy they will link out to a registered psychotherapist in fact i went through fresh start I don't see the psychotherapist anymore, but I literally just got off the phone before I came here with my psychiatrist. All found through freshstart.com. Fresh yeah, freshstart. Okay. Or freshstart.org. Because I think that's how do really people hard to, yeah. f- to make that step? Because you kind of don't want to admit to yourself that you yeah. need help. So if you're in denial, the hardest thing to do is to take that step. I think. And maybe um, they could talk to you. Oh God, yeah. Like so if anyone wants to speak to me, you? well, you can get hold of me through my website, which is www.henryjohnston.org uh, We'll link it over on our yeah, Instagram. Yeah, too. And like, I'm Henry Johnston At on Grown Facebook. Up <laughs> underscore official. <laughs> um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. I have exactly the same profile pic everywhere you go because it's the only one where I look handsome. So I'm like, I'll put <laughs> that one there. I bet that's not true. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> that's I just, just think thoughts. I look like a potato. Like, <laughs> it's like Joe. Like I just look like. Do you know what? From my job, because I'm an Instagram blogger, I take thousands of pictures of myself, and there's horrific ones. Like there's 900 horrific pictures, <laughs> and I post that one good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So you should never think that you look like the pictures that you see, because oh, it takes a lot. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I, just, I just don't like having my picture taken, so that's why literally it's the same picture everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you've got one good one. Yeah, thank God. So yeah, it's like you can find me everywhere. I'm always happy to speak. And like, if someone isn't comfortable going down the medical route, then it can help just to speak to someone. And it's good if you want to speak to a man. This is what I said about men fixing. Find the right man to speak to. Like, I'm a good man to speak to because I can connect with emotionally and I can hold a very secure space and I'm not going to judge. Sometimes you go to a group of men, you'll just get shut down and be like, oh, mate, all you need to do is fucking like man up, shut it down, go to the pub, do this, punch a wall. It's like, that's the worst thing to do. (laughs) Kind of brushing everything under the carpet. Yeah, like with real judgment, which actually in those kind of situations speaks more to the person you're speaking to's insecurity around that. They are more likely to push you away and minimalize what you're feeling based on how they feel. That's what I think is going on here with that sort of situation. Yeah, Yeah. I always think that the same for trolls though, like when I get a lot of trolling on the internet. um, so when they say something bad about me, like say if I've got bad arms one day, I always think Never that sa- their sa- it's a reflection of what their yeah, insecurities absolutely. are. So yeah. if someone's doing something to you or saying something to you, it's usually a reflection of them, not you. Absolutely. It's projection, you know, psychotherapy. If you if someone comes at you for a very specific thing, it's because they have it within themselves, but they're so uncomfortable with the fact they have it within themselves. It's far easier to project it onto someone else. And yeah. that is a really good, if, you, if you're if you in an argument and someone gets really angry really quickly and just goes for you, you can bet that, you, that they've just touched on something which they're deeply uncomfortable within themselves. Yeah, of course. And it helps a lot with diffusing because you just Jedi mind trick them. Yeah. So what is it that you're so afraid of admitting to yourself? Fuck off, Andrew. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, on today. Yeah, it's pleasure. really interesting, and I hope it can help a lot of people out there. I hope so too. Thank you so much. It's nice to spend some time in you know a proper, proper place. <laughs> proper proper place. podcast. <laughs> You've got like this f- this amazing wall which is soundproofing. I'm like, wow. You're gonna get some for yours. <laughs> And my puppy would just Wait, you have it. a podcast, right? Yeah. What's your podcast called? It's called the Mental Health Empowerment Network. Okay. And we, what I try to do is just get people talking about mental health from as many different viewpoints as possible and try and keep it kind of lighthearted and not so serious. You know, had a woman on recently who spoke about the occult and treating mental illness, which is quite interesting. Mm. might be worth listening if anyone's struggling for mental health out there (laughs) so yeah thank you so much for coming on absolute pleasure thanks for listening to Grown Up I'm Laura Blair and I'm Abby Blairs don't forget to subscribe and leave us lovely reviews and really do appreciate your feedback and don't forget that you can follow us on social media at grownup underscore official bye guys bye